Hey, everybody. I'm Jesse Hill. I'm Hank Berman. And our special guest today is Christopher Duncan with Dun Duncan Audio Services, LLC. Close. What is it? Duncan Audio and Production Services. Ah, Duncan Audio and Production Services. So, man, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Definitely, man. So, you just got done with a big event, the Songwriters Festival. You were... Uh, pretty much like the sound guy or no in Mary C. Tell me about that whole process of the songwriters festival with you in it. Sure. So, you know, I, um, after, uh, after getting my degree, some of the first people that I met and started working with in this market down here on the Gulf coast were George and Darwin with the songwriters Alliance. So, um, I've very quickly formed a good business relationship with them. They put me to work in a lot of different ways. And, um, Basically, for the Songwriters Festival, they kind of wanted me to oversee most of the logistics involving the speaker systems that we were getting sent in from Bose with the sponsorship, as well as making sure that all of our uh, volunteers that are going to be helping us run sound and, um, and monitoring some of the stages were trained on the equipment that Bose was sending us. Um, and, you know, I kind of wore a lot of hats for the Songwriters Alliance. It was kind of a thing where a problem would come up and I would solve it. And so that was just a pattern that that sort of came up. So it's hard to say what my role specifically was, because I guess my role was just general problem solver for the festival. Um, but um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I met with all of the volunteer engineers who were interested in getting some training on the Bose T8S mixing consoles that they were sending us. Um, that was the big thing where, you know, most of the, of the volunteers that were, you know, volunteering their time to help run sound for this thing were, you know, they, they've been in bands or they've been around music. They have some experience. Pretty much all of them had only ever worked with analog boards and analog mixing consoles. Mm -hmm. And, the mixing consoles that Bose were sending us were digital consoles, so they have some digital signal processing. And for someone who's only ever used an analog board before, it can be a little scary when you throw that word digital in there. And so it was just a matter of making sure that our volunteers felt confident enough that they could use <clears throat> the Bose board and, and they didn't feel like they were, we didn't want them to be stressed out and having to figure things out last minute. We wanted them to enjoy running sound for the festival and have fun especially since they're volunteering their time to do it so yeah um so how, i went through oh go ahead no, i was gonna ask how how many systems did you have so we had 12 stages for the festival um but four stages well two stages had their own in-house pa systems that we used and we just brought in the bose mixing console and then obviously the Mary C here has its own system. And then as well as Fort Marpaw on Front Beach, we just used the city's system because it works really well for that, that stage. So all in all, we had um, eight fully deployed or six fully deployed Bose systems, PA and mixer, two systems where we used a Bose mixer with in-house PA, and then two other venues that had their own um, setups mm -hmm. so and Bose sent us um extra stuff that we ended up using in different ways um but they sent us six of the uh Bose uh the, the Bose rep's gonna get mad at me if I get the uh 
get the model names wrong, but it was the the Pro 32 L1. They sent us six of those systems, which we deployed all six of them. Then they sent us three of the L1 Pro 8 systems, and I deployed all three of those as well. And then they sent us one extra um, Model 2, um, and I didn't end up deploying it anywhere. It was kind of the odd one out of the system. Kind of a backup one, so to speak, yeah. or became that. Yeah, and um, so I ended up not deploying that. But I really tried to deploy everything that they sent us because they were so nice in sending us all this equipment. Absolutely. Um, Such great-sounding equipment. Yeah, um, both, especially for the scale of this yeah, of these shows, right. these songwriter shows. You know, a couple guys with vocals and acoustic instruments plugged in, no, like, full band or anything. Right small to medium-sized venues, um, these little Bose systems really pack a punch for how portable they are, how easy they are to set up. Um, the Bose rep, me and him, kind of talked shop about their systems for a good bit, and um, he advised me on how to best utilize their Perfect. systems, and it was a lot of fun. Learning. What was his name? Uh, Jed was his name Jed. from Bose. Um, really knowledgeable guy, learned a lot just from talking with him, so... Great. Well, on, on it, to be edited out, pop, 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 pop. Uh, if he, if Jed hears this, we wanted to include, if you let him know that we're talking mm. of his product, it sure. might be good Heck for him yeah. to, to check it out. Over here. <laughs> well, well, not just, I mean, but you know, because he went above and beyond and, and it was good equipment, like you said. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. which it, which Bose is, I, we use one at Pearl and I, Wait, is that I the, own. Is, is that a Model 2? I have a Model yeah. 2. I know yeah, that. it's a 2 too yeah I, I like it i mean that thing's like yeah i have faithful. a model yeah they're great they're great great systems the tone match thing and all man so let's 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 track back uh first of all i know christopher duncan uh his mother uh and my wife worked together they the first time i ever met christopher was in the back of a u-haul truck and we were moving furniture from one school to another. What, what are you smiling at? Because there's so many jokes going through my head right now that I better not say. <laughs> no, so we were moving school furniture from one school to the new school, Lighthouse Academy for Dyslexia. And that's where I met him. And he was into, his mom was like, hey, you know, I know you're a musician. You, you sing across the coast. Like, he's into recording. And so I was talking to him before he went off to college. So that's where I met him. And then he came back and now he's this full educated sound engineer. So let's talk about like school and how that process went. Because most of the musicians we have down here are usually performing. Right. Or, or self, uh, self uh, no, yeah, self-taught or know enough to get by versus having a, a musical education in the particular field that you do. And I find that really interesting. Were, do you play an instrument? So, um, I am unlike most other sound engineers that I have met in in the sense that I come from the perspective of someone who is a, a, a casual, like, enjoyer of music. I've never considered myself an artist. I don't play any instruments proficiently. Um, the most I've ever done was, like, in high school, you know, making beats on my laptop or whatever, like... Mm -hmm. Um, but I never considered myself to be a creator of music. I've good always, for you. <laughs> good for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> so you're not the tortured artist then. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I've always, you know, I sort of fell into the role of the techie guy mm -hmm. behind the scenes, helping the artists create their art and handling all the complex uh, topics that I don't, I don't want them to have to worry about. I want to take that burden off them so they can 
do their thing, whether that be live or in the studio. I so. think that's great. I, I mean, I think you're the first person. I don't know about Mick Steele. Mick, Mick might, I don't know if he ever played as long as I've known him. Uh, he's an old friend. And, great sound uh, engineer, by the yes, way. Yes, yes, uh, at Ground Zero. But uh, I think you're the first person I've ever met that had that that uh, attitude or that that idea in their head and I, I that's really interesting to me and I, and I and I think it's really great I think it's awesome cool man. that you yeah because it puts you on, on another plane it's a different perspective yes exactly and sometimes you know it's more objective I would think yeah yeah and you know it it helps to have the perspective of a performing artist and I've spoken to a lot of artists and gotten to know performers very well and sort of learned from their perspective so there are downsides to having never played a, uh, an instrument on a stage, never sang on a stage. How can I run sound for someone who, playing on a stage if I've never been in that scenario? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I have sort of a uh, non-biased opinion. Yes. And I can come in and objectively listen to the mix. I, I'm not a guitar player, so I'm not going to turn the guitars up louder right. than they need <laughs> right. to. Or I'm not a drummer, so I'm not going to mix the drums louder than they need to. Like I just objectively can listen to everything awesome balance i think the that's mix. great that's great um yeah i think that's like a superpower for a sound engineer that's not uh, yes you know cause some people you can always tell who's mixing sound on stage for the band and if they were oh, an old drummer or an old guitar flick yep <laughs> yeah so, so obviously you have uh, like jesse was saying you have your business but did you have any aspirations at any point to uh, i want to go on the road with guns and roses were just here or whomever you know somebody did you have any of that kind of vision of I'd like to get to that, literally, no pun intended, that stage. Yeah, so um, I've always sort of been a person where rather than set long-term goals for myself that I have to sort of laser focus in on and work really hard to get to, I've always been more interested in looking at what, setting short-term, very reachable goals for myself that I can reach within the year and then set the next goal. And what that allows me to do is constantly reassess what are my opportunities what are what who are the people that i know right now what are the connections i have that way i don't have like a set path that i ignore other things in order to get to i can just always be able to jump at the the next best opportunity for me so i i won't i wouldn't say that i have like this goal of being a touring artist or having my own recording studio or like whatever some other engineers long-term goals are i've always been more interested in like what are the opportunities I have now? What is going to give me the, you know, if I chase this opportunity, what's going to open more doors for me so that I can see what the next best thing for me to do is. Um, I've always been a short-term obtainable goal type of person. That's great. I mean, I really, really like your logic and your train of thought that because that's, yeah, you don't want to get, I mean, I just think it's great. You don't want to get tripped up on something that is unnecessary it, right and and not to say I, I wouldn't want to go on tour with someone sure. or do any of these right. great things i just don't want to ignore other opportunities because right. i have something that i'm shooting for when i might have an opportunity that comes my way that's much different than that and that i end up ignoring because i want to obtain this thing so right and you never know where things lead so right that's exactly a, that's another thing so you might find something that might might, might end up in that vein or something else that was like this is really cool. I'm glad we're here. I right. think it's awesome. Good for you. And you. And you like, so you were at Delta State University in Mississippi. Um, they have the Grammy Museum up there. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that story about how you got that job and um, and how you got, got kind of got into the program. Because yeah, I don't so, know if it was fairly new or something, but. 
Well, so got into the program or got the job at the Grammy Museum? Give me both. Well, the job at the Grammy Museum is funny because uh, my first apartment in Cleveland, my landlord was, his wife was the executive director of the Grammy Museum. So at that time- Boy, there's I, some happenstance right, for yeah. you. Wow. And at that time, I had, no one in town knew me. I hadn't even started my first semester at the, the college yet. I had very little experience with live sound. I was just a kid moving to town, wanting to get into into the school and meet people. I had, so- I just randomly ended up getting that job and, um, you know, they didn't have any real, you know, I didn't have a resume behind me to, to, you know, prove that I was worth or worth investing in or whatever. But, um, I got that job just randomly and that job at the Grammy museum really was what got me started on this path because they, they had the soundstage. Um, a small theater, really well acoustically treated, and seats about 125, 150 people. And um, they have regional acts that come in and they put on these very intimate style shows. And, um, you know, at that time, when I first moved to the Delta and went to Delta State, I knew that I wanted to be in audio. I wanted to be an audio engineer. I just liked techie audio stuff, but I didn't know if I wanted to be in the studio or do live or whatever. And through the job at the Grammy Museum and getting experience mixing and running sound in the soundstage, that's where I fell in, <clears throat> fell in love with live sound and realized that that was the direction I wanted to go in was to start my own company to do live sound full time and just be around musicians performing live and mixing live. Um, so, so yeah, it was a great um, learning experience. Great opportunity for you. Just, I mean, and, and why did you des decide uh, on Delta State for this particular yeah, degree? Um, well, so I grew up in Laurel, Mississippi, and I ended up going to Jones County Junior College for no other reason than my friends were going. It was the junior college near where I grew up, and I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I just went to... The local junior college, my my major was general studies because I, I just needed to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, at the at the same time that I my first semester at Jones County Junior College, there was a new program starting and it was a music industry studies program. And um, a buddy of mine signed up for guitar lessons with this new instructor on campus named Matt McGuffey. And he told me, hey, you got to meet this guy. He's guitar. He's he's teaching me guitar, but he's also starting this music industry studies program. He's like building this recording studio, and he's generally a really cool guy. Um, and I didn't have anything else that I wanted to do. So, like I said, I had made like I was making beats on my laptop, and I was a, a appreciator of music. I loved listening to all genres of music. I wasn't a music creator, but I, I had an interest in it. So I started. The music industry studies program and it was matt mcguffey that really got me interested in the behind the scenes techie world of audio engineering and i didn't even realize that there was a career path for someone in music having nothing to do with making music i i didn't realize that i didn't have to learn how to play an instrument or sing in order to be involved in music and around the world that i was interested in sure and so um, it was, you know, I did two years there, which was COVID happened in the middle of my first year. So really I did like one semester in person and then a year 
online in Zoom calls with Matt, but um, he's the one who told me about, you know, here's, he told us, here's what your, your options are if you want to continue down the audio engineering path. You've got Delta State University. It's in-state, in-state tuition happens to be one of the most affordable colleges in the state. And they have this really cool Delta Music Institute audio engineering technology program. And then obviously there are other options, Full Sail University. Right, and, in Florida. Right, and more expensive options. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I ended up at Delta State University pretty much because Matt got me interested in audio engineering and then told me that there was a really affordable college in state that I could go learn and a really great program for audio engineering. So um, wow. I ended up there. Damn. I, I, and Damn. I, I, I went to USM for a business degree. <laughs> Damn. Anyways, go ahead. But 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 again, you were right place, right time. I mean, it was like, you know, the perfect yeah, yeah, I mean, you timing you, of it all. Exactly. And and I don't mean to, to sound differently, but uh, of all places, yeah. you know, uh, Jones County Junior College, yeah, and Laurel, Mississippi. It's just like, who would have thought it? Because I, I, and I'm thinking logistically about it. I'm thinking analytically. Well, how many students? How many people would be interested in that? In in that populace? Right. There was eight of us the first semester. That's what I would figure yeah. to be there was a handful people. of people. By my last semester there, there was like thirteen, four. No, more than that. There was I think maybe like thirty people in the program. So it grew so very it's, quickly. Yeah, That's awesome. um, That's but good. That's I think it is too. Yeah. So like that last semester was kind of cool because it was like the the six of us at that point who were still in the program that were now the upperclassmen, you could say. Sure, yeah. And then there was like the next year, the next class below us, there was, you know, 15, 16 people in the class. And it was like, wow, like in one year, the program grew. I'm sure he's- Doubled and tripling yeah. and everything else. But I think it's also a, a, a nod to this guy. I think to yeah. your, your yeah, the teacher slash mentor, I guess he could be, he could yeah. be a mentor. Um, Definitely a mentor. Yeah, I mean, and that says a lot about him and, and maybe his vision. I don't know the, the, obviously this is the first time I'm hearing about it, but the what led him to be there or led right. him to to initiate the, the so, program. So I think this is incredible. The thing about Matt, was he wasn't just a teacher he would he was he would meet with you after class if you wanted to and you could sit there for three hours and have a conversation that's with him. that's really good and it could be ranging in topics he was somewhat of a therapist at times for us he would you know I'm or sure an or older brother just a or a, yes, just a, you know close all, friend. Wore a lot of hats yes and, um, and he's still there he's still there he's still um matt mcguffey with the music industry studies program at Jones County Junior College. Maybe we should talk to Matt too. Yeah, I think man. you should. Yeah, we should. He was in show. town this past weekend. He didn't well, have a show. Well, he didn't call us, did yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. Yeah, um, yeah. If you yeah. drop him a line or something, yeah. say, "Hey, these guys want to talk to you." Oh man, yeah. Well, if great. we could help help further uh, his career and further the program, of course. Yeah, we sure. definitely could push up a because push I just up I, I mean that's that's just so cool that. Uh, uh, you guys could be the the, the pioneers, the, the the big six. Yeah. You know, the... I, I want to go back to what you said about sort of right place at the right time, mm -hmm. because there have been several incidences of that with in my life. You've mentioned two already. I mean, right. the, your so, landlord, uh, uh, yeah, McGuffey. So the whole the whole the way I even got into Delta State University. Yeah, listen to this. this was good. pure just right place <laughs> at the right time. So 
I, you know, I got, I made it through junior college. I, it wasn't hard to get a scholarship to Jones County Junior College. I, I just made a decent ACT score and, and got in no tuition. Um, but getting into Delta State University was hilarious because I wasn't fully decided on if I wanted to go. So I, I hadn't gone in, you know, way ahead of time, applied for scholarships and investigated different things. I, I just wasn't really you know, I, I could have done more to ensure that I was going to get where I needed to go. But what ended up happening was it was the summer before my my first semester at Delta State University. And I called up the office of admissions and I met over the phone one of the, the people working in the admissions office, um, Mr. G Mr. Gunner. And I just had a conversation with him, just started telling him who I was, what I was interested in doing, coming to Delta State. You know, me and my girlfriend are going to move out there and get an apartment and she's going to support me through college and whatever. Just had a human conversation with the person at the admissions office. And, and I asked him, is there any opportunities for scholarships? Like, what can I do to make sure that I can make this happen? And they were like, all right, well, what? Are, how are your grades? What's your ACT score? Okay, you qualify to join ptk which was an honors club and they said have you joined it have you done this and i've i always got like the emails like join honors society give us a hundred dollars and i was like no way right it's a, money, <laughs> and, it's a money thing right right and then he told me he went and looked and then came back and was like they the the school gives out a certain amount of honors club ptk scholarships every year the the deadline to apply to the scholarship is in six hours from right now <laughs> And there is one scholarship. Oh, left. you gotta be kidding there me! There is one left. So I got <laughs> off the phone with him, and I've already graduated from junior college at this point. I go and I log in and I pay the hundred dollars. I join the honors club. All throughout my two years there, I never went to a single chapter meeting. I never did a single hour of community service. I never did anything that the <laughs> honors club would have wanted me to do to stay in the honors club. I just paid the hundred dollar fee. Was technically a, like a it's all about the money. A baby. member it's of the club. The and then I, in that same day, I typed up two like three page essays. I created a resume. I shot like this video of me presenting my resume and explaining why I think I deserve this scholarship. And it, like crunch time in one hour, did all this, these things, applied for the scholarship, called the guy back, told him I had gone through all the hoops and applied for the scholarship. And he was like, actually, I see the lady who's over the scholarships now, she's leaving her office. I'm going to run her down. And he runs her down and she goes back up into her office. And 30 minutes later, he calls me. You've got a full ride. So. <laughs> Hank, bro. Hank, bro. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Dude, <laughs> yeah. that is crazy. So a full so. ride. And see, let me tell you. And it's funny because when you graduate or when you leave, like everybody's like, join the alumni association. Give us money. And I'm almost like, I just gave you like so much money. Right. That's going to put me in debt for a while. It's like, but anyways, it came, it came through for you on that one. Yeah. That's I, I always thought it was just a scam, these honors clubs. And then the dude tells me there is a scholarship, but you have to join the honors club. Your grades are good, good enough, but you didn't join the club. And I'm like, is it too late? And he's like, technically, <laughs> no, I guess. I've so, already graduated. So just but... a disclaimer. If you are heavily involved in the honor society at your school, stay involved. This was just an instant. And this is one of those things that <laughs> rarely happens. And good, good for Christopher and, and oh, his man. career. It's That's so funny because I have a close friend up at Delta State and, you know, Delta State University, they only have one scholarship for PTK, but I have a close friend who was the president of PTK 
he spoke at every chapter meeting. He wore the suit and went to the meetings and did all the community service and jumped through all these hoops. And he got the same scholarship that I got. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if he had gone to another college, he would have gotten a better scholarship for being the president. But yeah. it's just funny that how that worked out. But you're absolutely right. Do the, do the things. Don't do what I did. Yeah. I got lucky. My wife and I would love to have you over for dinner, you and your girlfriend tomorrow, because I want to stick with you because I got a really strong feeling you're going places. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, hey, you're one of those guys uh, that just the once, doors open. I think it's Once that lottery hits a billion be, dollars, man, I say we yeah, all go to the well, gas station together. <laughs> together. We chip in together and then we buy a lottery I, I want ticket. Christopher to just kind of rub the, the, the <laughs> thing a little bit. Wow, <laughs> man. Those are three great stories that are just by chance or or maybe not but, by but, chance but what's cool about it how, if you mind me how old sure. are you i'm 22 years old oh that's even worse so he's, well, listen he's, <laughs> he's 22 years old all these opportunities just kind of came up yeah. and he took it but some what's but, crazy is you have some people who there's an opportunity there and they'll ignore it or something but you or like you said their their vision is clouded because they're waiting they they want they have a vision of something else. They're looking five years not, down the road, and you're like you see something in front of you, and you're t and you're attacking it. Right. Yeah. Which to me that's 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 an, a, a good way to do it. I mean, especially Absolutely. for your industry. right place, right time. There's a there's a friend of mine. Uh, uh, I say friend. We haven't spoken in years, but I imagine we still are. And I may have <laughs> spoken about her before. Her name's Tina Clark. Well, Tina uh, was a musician, played drums, and um, ended up. Uh, from Waynesboro, Mississippi, ended up going, to, moving to Jackson, started Sunburst Productions, which was a, th a studio and uh, booking thing. She ended up not only being a friend and fellow musician, but she ended up booking me back then and and a bunch of others. But she uh, she moved to the West Coast and and was going to try to you know like like thousands, hundreds of thousands of others try to make it. Well, I never heard through anybody whatever happened to her until about a year ago and somehow i'm looking online and you know how when you're online one thing leads to another and you know you might go in looking for oranges and the next thing you know you're looking at you know 18 wheelers or something yeah. ridiculous the, on well, some random wikipedia yes, articles just yes reading. wikipedia uh, yeah because <laughs> it's always true in wikipedia but here she is and it and it was an article on her Grammy Award winning engineer Tina Clark. Wow. She, oh wow. She's won Grammy. She worked with Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones. She's done all this stuff. Another another person that you know that just may, I don't know if 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 you have that in common in terms of making it happen or just being where it can happen. But but I, I can't attribute it well, to you, anything. I don't know. Right. I, I'm sure you don't. I yeah, mean, I, I I'm don't, sure. I don't want to just tell myself I'm a lucky guy because I know immediately I'm going to. You're you know, right about that, too. Water line's going to break at my house or just something, something unlucky is going to happen. So yeah, well, I dude, we you, mean, you had some luck, but like I said. You but know, you had the goods to show for it too. Yeah, you had the goods to show for it. You're you're taking advantage. You're starting a business. You're you work the songwriters festival. Like you're doing stuff. Whether you're not just sitting on the couch and letting things come to you. you know, right. So. Right. Well, tell us about your business. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, so most of the people who go through my program are interested in in the studio work. They're interested in being a producer or being a, a studio musician or a recording engineer. And so, most graduates of my program their senior project is to cut a full album and it's this big magnum opus test of their skills as an engineer and um there's you know they go from conceptualizing it to uh 
organizing all of the schedules of all the musicians, recording, mixing, mastering, releasing the album, whatever. My senior project was nothing like that. My senior project was my company. And I'm, I'm not sure if anyone in my program has ever done that for their senior project, but I basically, by the time it was time to start thinking about my senior project and I'd been through two years in the program, I had a conversation with the director of the DMI and I told him, I am very sure that I want to be a live sound engineer. I have an affinity for live sound. I love it. I enjoy it very much. Um, and it's what I want to do. And he told me, well, then we need to come up with a senior project for you that's that's live sound related. And what we came up with was me taking all of the steps that I needed to take in order to enable myself to do live sound as much as possible and make a, a living off of it and do what I love and what I feel that I am pretty good at. Um, and so, yeah, my senior project was to create my LLC and uh, create a business model, um, budget for it, market analysis of where I was going to be moving, um, create, Jesse helped me create my website, um, uh -huh. um, all of these things that I did in order to prepare myself for this big transition of I'm a student and I'm learning and I'm getting all this experience. And then as soon as I graduate, I am now a quote unquote professional audio engineer i have my own llc i'm operating as a full-time freelancer and so that's what duncan audio is and um and yeah the, the llc is duncan audio and production services llc it's a bit of a mouthful but um but yeah i wanted to um enable myself to do live sound as a freelancer and and that involved investing a lot in equipment for my for my business so that i you know i have all the equipment that i need to run sound for a full you know five six piece band um in a medium to small small to medium sized venue where all they have to bring is themselves and their instruments i have everything else that you need in order to put on a good you've got show. the backline stuff for it no i don't have the backline that's why i say they'll need their their selves and their instruments gotcha but i have the pa i made all my own mic cables and instrument cables i have all the microphones i need mic stands I even have some rudimentary stage lighting. Uh, obviously, I have my front of house mixing console and digital snake and everything that I need. So, to what, what did you do, or what are you doing to get the word out about Duncan Audio? Good question. So, um, I've come to realize that the best way to market yourself as a, a freelance engineer or as a freelancer in general is by word of mouth, by having a good reputation. I, I know that, you know, there are steps that I should be taking to market myself online or or whatever, but the, the way that I've always gotten gigs was by having someone who I worked with in the past that I did a really good job for, and they, you know, told their friend that needed a sound guy about me. And so that's the the number one thing that I'm doing to market myself as an engineer is being as reliable and as possible to all of my clients and that goes into my, what my business model was when i had to put all that together yeah. was the first bullet point was reliability i know that i may not have the years of experience that other engineers in this market might have but what i can offer to my clients is full peace of mind knowing that if i commit to your gig i am going to do the best job that i can do 
and you don't have to worry about it, am I going to get a better gig and flake out on your whatever something you know that's what I think can set me apart from other engineers I, agree. I, I think a client is going to work with the guy who they are more sure is going to come and do the job well than the guy who technically has more years of experience but flaked out on your buddy once and what if he does that to you mm -hmm. you're so, right you're absolutely right and after, and after you, after you got your foot in the door and you show them the re reliability, then you show them your talent. It's exactly. a win-win. Then, then well, see, I've, also I've you have it. you have a website. Um, I mean, you're you're. I think we put you on Google, but like you know, you've done the proper steps before. A lot of people will just jump in, buy a whole bunch of equipment, say, "Hey, I'm a sound engineer," and then all this other steps come years later when they're like, oh, "I guess I do need a website." I mean, I hear it all the time. But you, I remember right before he graduated, he's like, "Let's put together a website." And so he sent me some pictures and what he does and. And it's like once you graduated, you have all the tools ready to go to build reliability or that comfort of somebody finding you online and being like, okay, yeah. let me try it, this guy. It definitely helps for people who don't know about me. If I do have an opportunity to work with someone who already hasn't, you know, my reputation doesn't precede me, they can at least see my website and see my promotional mm -hmm. pages and say, okay, this looks legit to some extent. I don't know this guy. I don't have anyone to vouch for him, but he looks professional. So. Well, your points are, are good too. You know, the the, the Grammy uh, uh, center up in, in yeah. yeah, I mean, that's going to get somebody's attention. What, that would get some, my attention. Give yeah. me some names of some people that you've done sound for that people may recognize. Well, so at the Grammy Museum, the people that I personally ran sound for, you know, Dwayne Betts, um, son of Dickie. Dickie Betts from the Almond Betts Band, um, Valerie June, Kenny Brown. Um, man, I'll have to go back and look. Um, but there were, you know, multiple regional acts, Grammy Award winning acts that came through the Grammy Museum. Um, Trisha Walker, I've ran sound for uh, probably a dozen times now. Really? Um, and um, through her, uh, Ashley Cleveland, um, some of her close uh, collaborators. Um, so, and that's, those are all from like working at the Grammy Museum. So those are people that I actually did, you know, one-on-one -on -one interact with. I dialed in their stage mix for them and, and mix front of house. And then, you know, through my uh, internship at the Bologna Performing Arts Center, I worked as an in-house, you know, local crew and helped load in and, and helped the actual engineers set up and run sound for acts like the Blue Man Group and the Guess Who and, you know, way more regional acts. Um, but I, you know, I wasn't the sound guy. I was a local crew stagehand, but I got to help out in anywhere that I was helpful and learn a lot from that. So that was, that was really cool too. But you had mentioned that, uh, for your, your graduation project that, that you did the live sound, what were the other, what were the others in your class doing? What, what yeah. you said that you were not of the norm, right? So they were all, recording these big uh debut albums for different bands and um a lot of times you have bands that pop up in the dmi of different students and so you'll have like this guy is cutting this band's ep while the person in that band is cutting his band's ep or whatever right um but most uh like like a, a classmate of mine he did this big um recording of the 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 big band on campus mm -hmm. like you know all the like the swing band type stuff uh, yes the, 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 like so the marching band and so they did like right. a yeah but they have like a jazz band like yeah so they you know he did a big recording of that it was like 45 minutes to an hour long and 
you know, 30 trumpets, tubas, uh, trombones, yeah. tr you know, xylophone, all of these instruments. And it, it all had to be recorded at one time. Right. So all Ooh. of the logistics. Yeah, of, no, that's what I'm thinking. Of recording like 50 instruments in the same room at the same time. And, you know, he had to go and study how they how they did that back in the it's day like a and, philharmonic or something of that effect you yeah think about you know, all the like bleeding the, of sound the bleeding the right wall of sound phil yeah, specter right yeah yeah so he had to research all that so those that's that's an an example of what some of my classmates senior project I was see. um less slightly scaled down from that you have guys who just find a band that has a really solid sound and they have a lot of songs and so they put an album together and you cut 10 tracks for right. their album and it's everything is fully tracked out mixed mastered by the engineer right uh you're, you're supposed to have a consistent sound across the album so it's you know you don't have drastically different sound right sonically speaking and and exactly it, 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 right. and and the whole you know you take it from step one to, to the final step of it being released and put online so Ooh. so that's what most of my classmates did for their senior projects was some big recording um, not so much what I did, which was honestly more music business oriented than the recording arts. Do but. you think that set you apart? Maybe not. I know you didn't do that for that reason, but do you think just because it was a different approach than what the norm would be that possibly that could be like, oh, this kid is thinking differently or he's got a different outlook? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to talk too good about myself in, in ways that I understand narcissistic or anything, but I definitely think that I prior to pitching my senior project had sort of set myself apart from the other, some of the other class or students at Delta state university or in the Delta music Institute. So the director of the DMI and the faculty, they already knew that I had some other sort of path going for myself and that I was kind of pulling away from the general crowd and, trying to figure something out for myself so they're they, here and you're over here right so they kind of it naturally they encouraged it and were like well, we're gonna help him do what he wants to do because he's actually gonna so another, do it another stroke so another thing yeah yeah wow. so that's that's interesting that the whole that's yeah that's cool isn't it it very it, yeah and to see is. somebody young like him you know kind of tackle this head on well just the fact that you are saying somebody young like him is what <laughs> really gets hey man i used to be the young buck and now they're coming up and, that's and right it's like how does it feel jesse it's uh yeah it feels like analog <laughs> <laughs> i was in that i was in that medium of like the analog equipment and the digital equipment was coming up new yeah and then now, you know, he's pretty much born into digital and like the analog. Well, that's like the true too. Yeah. You know, he, he, I'm sure you have a respect for analog and like the warmth and the sound and everything. There's so, a difference. I could talk a lot about that. Topic. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about it <laughs> sure. since we we have a certain amount of time. But that that leads Jesse to a very interesting uh, uh, point in in that the the big debate of warmth of analog uh, and which to the I guess anybody listening other than people connected with music might not know what we're talking about but mm. but there's a, an, a warmer sound that's that's always connected with uh, uh analog equipment versus digital not that that's cold but there's ex yeah. talk point on that sure um, just a little bit so the topic of analog versus digital um you know it, it's such an age-old debate and and people get so passionate about it yes I they do i exist in this space where i think that you know both are great I definitely think that digital is 
so convenient. I definitely think that having the ability to model all of these vintage analog compressors that you don't have access to or these channel strips. And would never have access to. Exactly. Model all these different preamps, all these different microphones, all these different things. The ability to dial in your preferred channel strip through, you know, this compressor and this analog EQ and all of these things and then save it and then just recall it the next time you want to use it is so convenient, especially for someone who doesn't have the opportunity to use those, those types of equipment. Um, but as someone who was able to a B compare like an actual LA two a compressor and the model, the waves plug-in version right. or, and had access to a solid state logic duality, uh, board with the preamps and the channel strip right. and everything like, first of all, it's not just about the sound. There is something about the tactile experience of twisting a knob on an analog EQ and listening to the difference and touching physical faders and actually blending your mix with your fingers instead of just clicking a mouse and dragging it around on a screen. So it's worth mentioning that there's, there's some sort of, of there's some magic in that. Yes. Um, but the channel strip on the solid state logic EQ, I mean, you, you enable the EQ, have all your fader, all your uh, potentiometers at unity to where you're not boosting or attenuating anything at all. Just running your signal through that circuitry without even changing any parameters saturates your signal in a little bit, a little, you know, in a right. noticeable way. And like, right. there is this, this warmth, this saturation, whatever you want to call it, the just running your signal through an analog piece of equipment is going to change the signal in ways that some people will say you can never recreate that with digital. Yeah. And also every channel strip on the SSL board is going to have a slightly different sound. Every LA two way compressor is going to have like, yes, it's the same circuitry, but it's also two different physical things. So there's, you know, you might have an, you'll have an analog piece of outboard gear that, technically no other piece of equipment sounds like yours and like the digitally modeled version might sound like the version that was studied by whoever makes these right. plugins and modeled but yeah. it's it doesn't sound like your distressor right or it doesn't sound like your mog eq or whatever well, so those two examples that you gave every major and minor plugin or company that does plugins has SSL or, ha, you know, mm -hmm. those are two of the things that are constantly that at the top of the list that trying to emulate or trying to get across. So, uh, and, and I have no idea. I own some, but I have no idea how that works in developing yeah. our R and D with it. But, uh, so I guess you, I, I understand what you're saying, period. Then I understand the point of whoever is doing this is going to have their touch so to yeah. speak on it or and i don't think anyone should say one is better than the other yeah. they both have uh serve a purpose exactly. or, or have pros and cons or? yeah and that's what casey we we we, we interviewed him uh, on season one He's yeah from jackson he has a recording studio yes. he uses a lot yes. of analog and digital and he pretty much said the same thing yeah, there's not one that's better than the other they all serve a purpose depending on what you need. And I respect that. Yeah. And just for the audiences, uh, so they're aware, we are talking right now in Universal Audio SD1s, going into a Universal Audio Apollo uh, X4. 
and we are actually using a couple of plugins on our voice right now and we're actually recording those plugins so i'm not going back and having to do it so right it's we're actually using an, As we, an emulator, on the job yep a, a digital analog emulator right now on our voice mm -hmm. and uh it's very convenient. It's not heavy. It's not expensive. I, mean, I, I, I don't, th and I think that most folks, I, that they really don't care or yeah. can tell. They, it doesn't matter as long as, yeah, as long as to the person, it sounds good. You want to hear some crazy? I just learned. I'm yeah. so sorry. So Rihanna came out with that song, Umbrella, Ella, A, mm -hmm. and the drums was really a big thing. You know, those drums were just a drum loop from a garage band. <laughs> really? Real. So honestly, when it comes down to the listener, of music right if, if if as long as they feel something as long as the words and, and, and the music and also i mean the engineering part is a big deal like you don't want to sound awful but versus you know breaking the bank to go to use this piece of equipment when you can you know use this just finding a way to make your workflow flow and in a good speed right uh, to me i think that's the most important thing well first thing is if it's a good song yeah yeah, it, it, it's a good song. That's, That's what I was that. Say. Yeah, I mean, you can't come, you can't make the number. Excuse of, this, but you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. The number of True. of wonderful hit records that have won Grammys and and touched the souls of millions of listeners that were made completely through stock Logic sounds in someone's bedroom. Billie Eilish like, did the, the her first yeah. hit was Billie Eilish was whole, done in that, her bedroom. That whole album it was yeah, right. her brother on Logic Venus. was stock. Uh, Felix, no, no, it's Phineas, 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 Phineas. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but but that goes to show if it's good, if it if it hits a a, a relatable point with people, if it's uh, all of the above, it and and you do a, a and I'm not saying they did a half decent job, they did a good job, yeah. but, or or get passed on to a, a, a major studio or a studio that has more capability with it. Yeah. It's gonna, it'll, it'll shine. It's not about what paintbrush you use. It's about the artist holding it. That's well said. That's hey, very question. good. Question with the Songwriters Association. I'm not gonna edit this out if I need to. But did you hear any hits? <laughs> did you hear any hits from this weekend? Yeah. Did you hear something? You're like, man, that sounds. Or like is it a hit? Is it? Would you find hits in a festival like this, or would it be, uh, you know, so many songs that songwriters, uh, you hear. And, and this is when I was a kid, when I was coming up uh, playing music, because that's all I ever did, was, okay, so-and-so, Dylan wrote this song that the birds did, or Dylan did this, and I'm really placing myself back in the day. But then, so I loved all these songs, you know. Charlie Chaplin was in this one. <laughs> I'll knock the crap out of you right now. But, but uh, and he was. But but then I went back and heard, because I, cause I, I was always the kid that wanted to find out who wrote these songs you know and it was always the one name that kept popping us was this guy named dylan hmm. bob dylan so i went back and heard his records it was like oh no now i love dylan i love the acoustic work and i love voice and guitar and tambourine man but as a as a kid i was used to that polished sunset studios la sound mm -hmm. so do you, in, in those terms did you hear songs that you feel what were they there were they present i know it wouldn't be every room every guy but yeah did you hear well, a couple that so stuck out to be completely honest or did you listen when when you have 12 stages yeah and 12 volunteer engineers that have only been through like one 30 minute workshop with I, you i got you spend the majority of your time 
at one stage fixing a problem while simultaneously being on the phone with an engineer at another stage solving their problem remotely. Meanwhile, you've got texts coming in from the third stage that you have to get to <laughs> as soon as you're done on the phone with this guy. This core doesn't work. What'd I do? Yeah, it's it was I had a lot of running around to do. I, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Not a lot of time being able to sit and critically listen. You didn't have the luxury of that. You, right. You were working. The, the last day, the grand finale, was the only time that there was only one show on one stage happening. So I was able to run sound there the whole day. And um, yeah, there were some really great um, performances there, really great stories. Um, one group that I just really love working with is Blue Mother Tupelo. Um, not so much because their their songwriting touched me or anything, but just I love their presence on stage and the way that uh, they perform. Um, they're they're just a really great group that's that a, I've that's gotten a cool to work name, with. Blue Mother Tupelo. Yeah, I'm, I assume they're from Tupelo. Um, they're, uh, no, um, not necessarily. Uh, maybe uh, Wilco. What's his name? Jeff Tweedy and that. You know, they they had what was that something Tupelo. Anyway. Was Alabama? They're from St. Louis. Was the band Alabama from Alabama? Yeah, Northern Alabama. Okay. Somebody told me Georgia, and I was like, "That makes no sense." No, no. Well, Chicago's from Chicago. No, they weren't. They weren't. Not all. That was a, like an eight-piece band, horn band. No. Kanye West wasn't from the West. No, he wasn't from the West. And Nathan <laughs> East, the bass player, is from the North. So <laughs> we, we can go on forever, can't we? <laughs> Throw in a couple beers, and this would be dangerous. It's true. That's if I true. Drank. No, but um. Let's see. We're about to. Is, is there anything else you go give me? Go, give um, us your plug about your website. Uh, how yeah, fun you on social media, up. things like that. Sure. So I'm still, you know, I've I've never been a social media guy. I admit I need to get on my digital marketing. Uh, You're a hustler stuff. right now, so just keep hustling. But, and that's um, gonna come later. If anyone knows anyone from the Mississippi Songwriters Alliance, call them and ask them about me. If you want someone to vouch for me, um, and um, I'm based out of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I love to do live sound. I, I love running sound for bands and, and, and live performances, but I also do stuff like sound system installations, something I'm getting into, setting up home recording studios, something that I've done for other people. Um, I'm just a techie guy, I'll, I, in audio tech specifically, but in general, I, I, I figure th out complex systems and hook things up and get them working. It's what I love to do. It's like a puzzle that I put together and so anything where a techie guy who knows about audio is is what I do. And my website is DuncanAudioServices.com. Um, my social media handles are Duncan Audio. And um, and yeah, based out of Ocean Springs, my my range sort of goes from New Orleans to Mobile, north up to Jones County is kind of where I operate. Um, and if you were offered something. Uh substantial in many ways would you be willing to go on the uh, go elsewhere yeah i mean i'm i'm next month you never say be, never right n next month i'll be running sound at the new roxy theater for the deep blues festival in clarksdale mississippi which go. is nice 300 miles north and you know they're compensating me for the traveling expense and they're they've they're paying for my room and as well they should yeah, yeah. so and then i love working with those folks over at the new roxy theater the robin and yeah, they're great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I will I will tra uh, transport myself somewhere if if you want to compensate me to go. Sure. Well, I mean, um, that's the yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, and and yeah, like you were saying earlier, I'd love to go on the road with a band if I found a band that I ran sound with that had a really great chem chemistry with me, and they love working with me, and I love their sound. Mm -hmm. um, 
But for now, I'm based out of the Gulf Coast mm -hmm. and I'm looking for opportunities in this area and I, I love doing it. So I'm passionate about it. So if somebody approached you about uh, uh, engineering a, a project or, or producing a project, would that be something that you might be interested in? Yeah. So, you know, again, if you felt a connection to the, the, the music, exactly. the project so, and the artist, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm interested in exploring any opportunities that come my way. I'm never one to turn down an opportunity that might be worth investigating Great. for me. So though, you know, though I am, um, I love live sound more so than being in the studio. Um, I have a lot of experience being in the studio and I'm good at it. And I, I do enjoy doing it to an extent, maybe not every day. If, if it was my everyday job, it would feel like I was cooped up in an office. But if I'm doing live sound full time and I meet a band that wants to be tracked and they want me to be their tracking engineer, I'd definitely be down to do it and go explore and, and, and have some fun. So, well, I, we've already talked before and you've had me, you've helped me out with the track for Katie Jones, but I want to, uh, he's going to help me Mm -hmm. Soup up this, get some of the chords ran through and, and do things properly. We're probably going to like tear it down. And like r the first thing we did right when he showed up today, like I've had, the, we've had this echo. We've had this like hollow echo in our ears, but it wouldn't come out on the track. And I was like, what am I doing? And he just clicked a button. He's like, you're running, you know, two outputs, one from Logic, one from Universal Audio. So he just fixed a problem. So he's very, very well knowledgeable. And I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited to uh, get him involved with 1600 Studios and um, see where it goes. Great. But, well, ladies and gentlemen, I am Jesse. Who, who are you? <laughs> well, you did you, at did me. you already forget? You looked at me. Hi. I'm, uh, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Hill. I'm Hank Berman. And I'm Chris Duncan. And thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Until next time on the High Note Podcast. Stay tuned.